Hello. What's good? This is Ergo. It is indeed. I am Damon. I am Kiss. We are here. This is a speedy intro. Let's do it. We have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful show for you today. The filmmaker, DP, director, music producer has done everything on set and teaches us all about it. Ashley Battle is here today. A great conversation. For those who want to do anything in film or even enjoys watching films, get your pen and pencil out. No. Who doesn't like movies? People say they don't like movies. It never makes sense to me. Yeah, edit that, though. <laughs> you don't get a pen and a pencil. The paper, or just listen. Listen listen hard. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. We got a great conversation for you today. Ashley Battle, let's get into it. Yup. How about them making How High 2 without Redman and Batman? Like, I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, Hollywood, man, that's so, like... That's so disrespectful with it. I didn't. I didn't see a scene from it. Like the kids that I, yeah, that I know. That, oh, well, you were there? No, maybe not. The kids that I said they saw it. It was like the worst thing ever. Who was it? It was like fucking DC Yachty Young Fly and Lil Yachty. Why? It's like they're not even boys. Like Meth and Red, like right. were already. Also, Meth Man is an excellent actor. An yeah. excellent actor. And Red Man might be one of the funniest people to not be a comedian. It almost felt like they shitted on it by pulling in DC Young Fly and Lil Yachty. Like really. Like, yeah. really? Welcome to our podcast, Shitting on Things We Haven't Seen. I'm Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I just cracked my back in a very dramatic way. Ah, oh, well, now you feel better, don't you? I do. You ever, like, crack your back and all of a sudden, like, circulation is better? That's what it's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Well, we have a wonderful guest here in the studio with us. What? Ashley Battles here. Put up, put up, put up, put up. How you doing? What's up, what's up? Caca! Yeah. For the last three weeks, I've been late on my caca. I've had to fix that in post. Let's pull it together, Daniel. <laughs> so let, let's start where we uh, <laughs> let's start where we start every week. In this time, in this moment, in this season, how is the world treating you, and how are you treating the world? Intentional. Mm. Trying to speak and have more gratitude. <laughs> Trying to not think about my future, but know how far I've came. And the world is treating me good because I'm putting that positive thoughts and energy into to those things, and it's it's coming back. So, yeah. um, I mean, I'm not like running through a field of daisies, but you know, pretty close. It's tough to find a field of daisies. <laughs> you know? True. Yeah. Is it so? This intention feels like a newfound. Yeah. Thing. I mean, it was like shit. I don't want to say my age, but <laughs> it was like once I hit a certain point. Certain things didn't matter anymore. Hmm. Um, what didn't matter? Trying to please or prove something to someone or or everyone. Yeah. And what started to matter was more of what I felt and what I wanted to do and what made me happy. Hmm. Those things started to help me have gratitude and just like really think about things in a, a really different perspective. Yeah. Like I said, intentional. You know, I wake up in the morning and I make sure that I, I try to pray on my hands and knees. Hmm. And I'm not a big religious person. I don't think I would call myself like a Christian or like any, I wouldn't put a, a category on my yeah. on, on my spirituality. But just that discipline and stopping and being silent with myself and talking to myself and thanking a higher power and knowing that I shouldn't take any moment for granted, but also 
let's go out in the motherfucking world and be great. Yeah. Those felt good to me to do those things. It yeah. just felt good we to get me. into the God game. Did it did it feel <laughs> I like this? We're did good. it feel good the first time? I think at least for me, whenever there's like a new spiritual practice or even just a physical thing to do that's a connecting thing. It takes like a few times for me to not be like, what the hell am I doing right now? Really? No, it felt right right away. Yeah, I mean I grew up watching my mom pray every mm. single day. I would walk in a room and I'd be like, oh shit, praying. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, it's. My like, auntie used to get some, some, some good prayers some in. Some wild prayer sessions. <laughs> yeah, and like, <laughs> she would do it to herself and it was very, like, she didn't really force my siblings and I to, to go to church every Sunday, but she prayed every single day. And I think mm-hmm. she understood the power of prayer and just having that moment to herself. So I always knew about it and you know, been in touch with that side. So I think it just was like the discipline thing for me. Yeah. It's just being disciplined to do it. Yeah. And I think when you're disciplined with yourself and you center yourself, you build up a positive energy that radiates and brings other things back to you. Like you're putting more into the universe that's going to be received better than negative. Waking up in the morning and just like not taking that moment to be thankful that you woke up, not taking that moment to... Think about your yourself and what you're going to do for the day or not take a moment to just... Yeah, I think, like, if you can... It doesn't even have to be long, and whether no. it's in, like, formal prayer or whatever, and it doesn't even have to be first thing in the morning, but if you can't just savor that little... It could just be 10 seconds even. Yep. It's like you're just... You're going to get lost in a, a whole lot of sauce. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very important. And, I mean, it's meditation, too. You know, it's right. the same as meditation. Like, I, I, I like to think of it as praying, but... You know, like yeah. my sister, she meditates every day for 20 minutes a day. Mm. But it's the same. It's the same. I just thing. had a real quiet household. There was just like. <laughs> Actually, we. <laughs> Actually, we. I wish we had a. I probably would be Maybe a different that's person. Why. That's yeah, why. I think that is why. And yeah. I mean, my sister's definitely not a quiet person. Uh, but you got those 20 minutes that you. you know, <laughs> but she. No, she. She. That's something she started recently, too. I think mm. over the last few years, right. it's something that really helps her. Yeah. So, and for me, I think it helps me as well, like on the, on a mental level. But shit, growing up, our house was—that's probably why we're like this now. Like, yeah. like we're adults, <laughs> and now we can understand the, the the craziness of life. But now, how do we deal with it? Yeah. Like <laughs> finding that beauty of quiet. You, it's you, it's yes. funny how like it's not cliche, but like hacky. All the like, there's just many things where it's like, oh, this is a direct one to one correlation. It's like yeah. I want quiet because it was loud, or like I don't want conflict because there was conflict. Mm-hmm. Like. It's like if you wrote that in a script, it would be like, oh, that is too clear of a character exposition. Yeah. Like you got to yeah. complicate it a little. You, you said a couple of things that, that interest me. You said one, like being intentional and finding the things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And you said it with like a, an assertion or confidence that like I'm assuming that through some of this spiritual intention, you've found those answers or you can name that better. Because like for so many of us, that is the ideal, but it's not that easy because we don't even know where what? that joy comes from. Yeah. So so yeah. I, I heard you say you found that. Do, do, you, yeah. do you have like a name for what those things are? No, I mean, it's just as simple as like, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I go to the lake. Um, Shout out um, to the like lake. 39th, I park my car. And I like when the car, I like when like the greenhouse effect is happening, the car's all nice and warm. Uh, yeah. I smoke a blunt, hot box myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like listen to some good music or don't listen to music at all because I'm a person that's always in my head so I can keep myself entertained. But hmm. and I just like vibe out and I just I'm there for hours and those are things that make me happy. Yeah. Just simple as that. Like enjoying those small moments with myself. Yeah. It's such good simplicity and it's like also what people did forever. 
<laughs> like that was all there was to do. Exactly. We have so many distractions yeah. and now everything moves so fast. It's like we feel pressured as a society to move as fast as technology or social media and yeah. we forget that no, we're humans. Like yeah. we're flawed. We have emotions. Not everything is easy as fucking Sunday morning. Like there's a there's and there's processes people have to to take and Yeah. I talk to my girlfriend about this all the time because she's just always busy, busy, busy. She just got her PhD, so congratulations Shout out. Her. Shout out to her. Yeah. But I always like, Shout what? Shout out to the doctor. Yeah, doctor. <laughs> she's a doctor now. Her name Dr. Sherry Lewis. So, But I always ask her, like, what makes you happy? She's like, I don't know. And so many people really don't, haven't taken the time to, like, even if it's, like, working out, making music. And it's just, like, doing those things without thought of something's going to come out of this, yeah. but mm-hmm. making yourself happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I mean by mm-hmm. Finding those things. Like, yeah. I'm not doing this so the world can see it. I'm not doing this so I can impress a, a guy or a girl. I can't. This a is social position. This is, yeah, yeah, this is strictly because it makes me happy. Yeah. I, I just do things so I have something to talk about on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but That's I actually. Yeah, but to that point, as someone who makes things that people are engaging with rather yeah. than sitting by the lake, I, I can imagine, you know trying to figure out that balance with what are you what experience are you giving for the person on the other side and are you cluttering or are you bringing something that'll bring some clarity yeah. is that something that in this new intention you've been trying to figure out that is a leading question <laughs> so as far as like my like my work goes yeah, or, yeah yeah of course that's definitely that, that I mean that's if that was anything I would want to talk about that's that's very important too because I've done so much I've learned so much and now I'm trying to figure out what I want to say. And I have a lot of work that I'm personally creating where I'm like writing the content, maybe directing or DPing. I I, I haven't decided, but I'm very like taking time and very like, again, being intentional with because now that I found a place, I feel like, okay, I know how I want to create my art. I know how to create the art that I want to create, but I want to make sure that when I'm saying something, I'm saying something. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's been on my mind heavy lately and like reading and trying to understand my past, educate myself as much as I possibly can, especially on like black people and where we come from, where I come from, why certain things happen to us, how they happen to us, Mm. because that's me. That's who I am. And if I want to make or say anything, I want to make sure that it's a representation of, of who I am. And I'm saying it with intention and that I am provoking a feeling. Mm. Now, I, I definitely want to hear some of those questions and answers of like that that question, like how has this happened to us and why, and like where your your yeah. journey has taken you with yeah. that. But I also want to balance kind of what you're saying now about like preparing yourself and projecting out your intentions for future, but also you opening up and saying like you are intentionally trying to not think about the future, right? Well, yeah, for, for healthy <laughs> reasons. And so, like, I know that's not like a very concise question, but like all of those different ideas at once. How is that tension working for you? So thinking about the future, but not because I, I can get caught up in my head like, oh man, yeah. I can. I want to have this big, huge house, and I want to have my 1967 Chevelle. I really want that, by the way. <laughs> that was specific enough <laughs> that that is a yeah. thing you like really, really, really want. <laughs> and I'm trying not to get caught up in like the materialistic things of yeah, life right. that I want in the right, future. Right, the things right. that I'm like, I, those are you know, but future thinking about plans as far as releasing artwork and creating artwork. I'm thinking ahead of what I want to say and 
how I want to say it and why I'm saying it. But yeah, I try I try not to think about it, just like I guess like oh, when I turn 40, I'm going to be XYZ or and just yeah. do it, you know? Yeah, Cuz like I used to want to be the in well, I'm going to tell my age and it doesn't yeah. matter. It's fine. I used to want to be in the Forbes 30 under 30. Like mm-hmm. I passed 30 and it didn't happen. And I didn't necessarily let myself down, but it also like left this burden of like yeah. damn, you know, and it adds fear on top of the fact that we're already scared of like oh I want to accomplish my next instead of just not even having that future like expectation for myself and just doing all the things necessary that could that that would lead up to that anyway and if I make it or if I don't either way I'm still making something and being in the place that ultimately I'm supposed to be that's when when I say I don't think about the future like yeah I try to think about that and you made that Maserati exactly well I just I did just look up a 67 Chevelle that is a cool looking car yeah short body right yeah I like what I see but it is like that 30 under 30 like that was just a constraint or a goal or a like a container that you made for yourself it's hard when something feels like failure but it actually isn't a failure yeah (laughs) you know what I mean and so often I think that's why at least for me it's so helpful to hear other people who have been by whatever metric successful talk about their experience is because almost never is the thing that they thought was the thing, the actual thing. Yeah, for sure. And they got the thing, but it led to nothing or they got this email then they went to this place that they weren't sure about. And then it led to like people's stories are just so nonlinear, even mm-hmm. telling it from the end, <laughs> let alone in the middle of it. Like it's impossible to know your trajectory. But I do think especially like with showbiz stuff, it can sometimes feel like, you have to be building your character arc, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and it's good to to try to figure out how to balance that. So, like you were yeah, saying, yeah. let's follow up. Like in that exploration of trying yeah, to let's talk out black people. <laughs> what you want to say? <laughs> what are you trying to figure out how to understand to the point that you can say? Um, I've been really thinking of heavy, heavy about black mothers mm-hmm. and like black mothers with young black men. Because my, my mother was a black mother who lost a, a son. Mm-hmm. I write all the time. I write, like, little pieces. And I wrote this part. I was like, at what point when he, does a young black boy lose his soul? Like, at what point does he say, okay, I'm out here. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm completely giving my life to the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm out here. And he's willing to do whatever. He's willing to get it how he going to get it, live by, you know. At what point does that happen? And these are all things that are personal to me because these are like, like I said, closely related to me. And I think about what they did to us in the eighties with the, with, with cocaine yeah. and, and crack, because my mother was also addicted to drugs for a really long time, and just even dated back to like slavery and women, all these things that I'm just really interested in in, in picking apart and, and trying to understand. And yeah, and I understand a lot of it because I lived through it. And I mean, we know, you know, systematic oppression and they put this in our neighborhoods and they did. I mean, we know, you know, but. But the layers to it. The layers to it and trying to process it. And the details of it. And reciprocate it and and push it back into my art (laughs) where people can look at it, understand it and learn from it on Mm -hmm. both sides, white and black. Yeah. Where a white person can look at it and be like, I understand that now. (laughs) I understand that black boy a little bit better. I understand that black woman a little bit better. And where a black person can look at it and say, oh, man, that was me. And then get them to think about how they can change yeah. or how they could be or better th- or not be alone or, or better themselves or relate to it and just feel comfort, whatever, however it makes them feel. Just I want to provoke that, that yeah. feeling. So That's a lot of work to put on your work. 
you know, yeah, to but be I think trying I to do both at the same time. And I don't want to do it in a serious manner. Like I want to do it. <laughs> I want to do dark black comedies. Mm. So yeah, are th- that's what I was going to ask. Are there any shows or movies in the lineage that you're like, not I want to make a version of that, but this feels like something that accomplished my goals in a different way. I love the way Ice Cube and F. Gary Gray did Friday. Mm. I think that's like a, it was a story told in the hood, but Craig and Smokey wasn't necessarily hood, you know? like mm-hmm. Or like super street dudes. Craig had two parents. His father worked. His mother, they didn't really say what she did, but you could tell she dressed up. I think she even like pulled off in like a Benz or something mm-hmm. like that. And then Smokey, like, you know, single black mother, but she was kind of sassy, like, the preacher man, it, it he it embodied what, and this is not an experience for every black person, no. But these are experiences that I've experienced, and the way they told that story, I enjoyed it. The way they was able to pull the comedy, because that story could have been a serious story, and it could have been on the same lines of like a Boys in the Hood, yeah. right, right? That same storyline, right? But they didn't do that. Right. They, and they it was, were in direct context of that, because right, yeah. it was like ninety five, so yeah. all of these. Depressing. It was. It was sort. It was the same. Black movies, right? To find the yeah the, the joke in it. Did y'all see? It was a in the form of like a trailer. The young director who made the like dramatic version of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, mm. Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you tell the same story but in different ways? You know. So yeah, he made it dramatic. He right. made Fresh Prince dramatic. Yeah. And it was you know part of what I think you know I was a Fresh Prince fan and still have, like part of what made that good was that the beats of the story were not goofy like the overall narrative was not goofy the overall narrative was a complicated personal emotional journey of like everyone's transformation in relation to him and him in relationship to home like these are real themes so it was cool to see like like how that could be kind of transferred onto it similarly like it sounds like in in a similar way of like you can tell the story in a lot of different ways yeah and i think that's part of why it's frustrating when people tell the same story the same way over and over and over. It's like, you can still tell that story. Just do it in a different way. It, Show yeah. something else, you know? And every single person has their own different experience. Right. And mm-hmm. if you, you know, like we've all had our own different experiences. And yeah. I'm sure someone can relate to each and every single one of our experiences. And it's like, just do it how you feel. You know, instead of copying what you think someone else may want or feel, just do yeah. what you you feel. But yeah, and making movies for me, it's something I never really thought about. I always see myself like making like fashion films and like music videos and like short avant-garde hmm. pieces. And now, since I've like been more intentional about my art and my and my work, now I've I know how to separate how I want to make money yeah. versus what I want to say. Yeah, because you are someone who like you you work <laughs> like I've, we've worked on projects a project together, and I follow you, and it's like yep. you are Single on set, film. you are doing a bajillion things. Mm-hmm. With a wide array of the kinds of things you're doing. Yeah. So outside of the the figuring out the, the next piece and the story that you're trying to tell, on the just like making money work side, what was the entry point into the craft and what's your relationship to to just the, the skill part of it now? Yeah. So I actually started off in music. Okay. Take it way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be Missy. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be Missy mixed with Pharrell. That mm-hmm. was the goal. Yeah. <laughs> It's still coming too, so watch out when I drop a mixtape or something. You'll be like, wait a minute. Not rapping though. You're like decidedly not a rapper? No, I'm not a rapper. I don't I don't rap or sing. I I was I loved music. Mm. And when I was younger, I'd started off like making beats. I taught myself how to make beats. And then I like built a studio in my mom's basement. It was crazy. I actually like I had two studios. The first one I kind of built myself with like 
you know, I went and bought the Orlex and just like yeah. some cup holders and put them all over the basement. You it, saw Hustle and Flow. <laughs> <laughs> but this was before this was uh, before uh, yeah, okay. uh, I was like um, it was based on your true story <laughs> it was not all of it maybe <laughs> not the Pippin part just but the studio construction part <laughs> exactly I was more like Anthony Anderson and, well, well, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but no I met this guy who you know he works in the street and he exchanged some goods for some services and had this guy come in and build this like actual like studio Booth, it was crazy. That, Shout that, out to bartering. Yeah, look at that informal economy. <laughs> also, I'm gonna just be honest because I mean this is like like a PG thing. He was a crackhead, right. and he came in and he built it, but he did he wanted he wanted his drugs and he didn't get it right away. So then he left it unbuilt, and I had to finish it. Uh, um, that's a tale that is, as old as time. That is a podcast in itself, yeah. just like unfinished. And crackhead labor. might not be the correct term. I know there's uh, language in, in in this is a safe space. Okay. Because I don't want to say crackhead. That, I, that's offensive. I appreciate it. it. It is technically ableist. We That's one that we still hold on to. I would just say a person addicted. A, but a drug a, 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 a drug user. I, yeah. But also, you were not disparaging his character. Like, no, was he, was cool. yeah. he was cool. He was cool. And he did a great job. He built He did a great job. And that's the thing, too, is like, right. to jump back to what I was saying yeah. a little bit before, of like trying to figure out and pick apart my people because we're some smart, brilliant yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah, 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 I had yeah, an uncle yeah. who was a... Crackhead, you know, not to say a drug user, and he would throw my alternator on, fix a starter in like 15, 20 minutes. He, yeah, I mean, like technically brilliant, right? Self taught. Yeah. And imagine if there was positive things pushed into our neighborhood instead of Health, negative things, like where, conditions. yeah, but the ingenuity of it, the, like the, the ability to piece things together, yeah, yeah, like it's just come on, like, I mean, even, even to be a drug dealer, like it's a whole nother level, yeah, it is anyway. But back onto that, so yeah. I started in music and I was just making music in my house. And then I was like, oh, I want to take this more seriously. So I went to a school in Minnesota called the uh, Institute of Production and Recording. Finished there, got my degree in audio engineering and music production. I interned at a few music studios, like a heavy metal studio. That was actually super interesting. Throw a pin? In what way? How is it interesting? Because it's fucking brilliant. And I didn't know that because I was so blinded by the, all the screaming. Yeah. I was turned off because I'm a smooth 70s reincarnated yeah. motherfucker. I just, I wasn't into all the There's screaming. There's not a lot of heavy metal people with a 67 Chevelle. <laughs> no. <laughs> so Rattling out of the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not good for my 12s, no. But, <laughs> but but working in the studio recording, I was an um, engineer's assistant and I was able to hear everything broken down. Mm-hmm. So the drums, the double kick pedal, oh my God, that shit, like, it's, um, it's like, like it's a mate and when you slow it down, it's almost raw hip-hop beat mm-hmm. like in the it's like 808 it's like a yeah in the creating you know we just don't hear it because in their head they're fucking 100,000 BPMs but every part every instrumentation and they're the nicest people ever they look scary but they're the nice yeah I mean like aside from the rock and roll or like the lifestyle how how you perceive what the nicest like people they would Hey, how you doing? And then going there, rah, rah, and I'd be like, this. Everybody must die. Yeah. Except for you. <laughs> but then to come out and be like, uh, is my chai tea? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I do think there is something to be said about like having a place for that shadow self. It's like they didn't have to repress it. 
So no. then they could just be kind. They could like go in and get all of that emotion. Probably, out. you're right. And then yeah. it's like, oh, I'm well balanced. It's like yeah. scream therapy, which um, is a thing, primal scream therapy. I'm low-key tweaking on how easy I just got into death metal voice. I've never done that before. <laughs> yeah, you did an, actually a really good job. I was, I kind of, for a second, I was like, I hopped good. right into that. That's yeah. kind of, I need so, to catch the, the mixtape coming yeah. soon. <laughs> so, yeah, I was yeah, so in you, Minnesota, and it got, it got scary for me because my school was a real school. I fuck with them for, they told us first day, like, you gonna leave here with tools to get money. No, Snoop Dogg is not gonna pull up in a limousine and with a drop a bag of money on you and say, "Let's go on tour." But you can was Snoop explicitly who they used. That, that's exactly. <laughs> who they, I mean, because you know it was a white school. You know, that, not too many. You know, they were very honest about um, the industry and how you can make money, like recording voiceovers or making music for TV or commercials yeah. or jingles or just all different types of ways that audio engineering and, and music production serves in other parts of the media besides like what yeah. a lot of us probably went there for to be for real right um there's only one for real there's only one like for tens exactly. of thousands of audio engineers <laughs> exactly. all getting paid yeah they were very upfront and honest and a lot of people had started to go towards sound for film because this was a time where i don't know if, uh, if any of you guys are familiar with the uh, pro tools mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. so there's a time when people had Pro Tools and you had to have like this $10,000 piece of hardware to use Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. So not everybody can have a studio in their basement. They probably was recording on like a Tascam or like yeah. something super basic or in their PC. I don't know what happened with the technology, but it was right around the time that I was in school. Basically, you ain't need that shit no more. You can mm-hmm. run Pro Tools with, yeah. I think the inbox came out or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And you can have a whole professional studio in your basement for a few hundred bucks. Yeah. And so that changed the game. So all these people who had these big, huge studios were starting to, like, downsize and get scared and get worried. So my school was like, yeah, you know, they were pushing sound for film. They started pushing sound. Mm. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go into sound for film. And, like, so I started taking film classes. And then because I like music so much, all my friends were musicians filming their music videos. Mm. The Canon T3i came out. I bought one of those. And I just started doing music videos, started doing music videos. And then... I got another internship while I was in Minnesota at, like, a production company, like a visual production company. So the money was good. It just it was like I was doing random things, and it it was cool. It was, yeah, yeah. You're like, shit, I'm a working in the industry. <laughs> yeah, like, I was, you know, and I always loved music videos. So I was like, I think I want to make music videos, but still do music, and then I can make my own music videos. And yeah, I, yeah. I still want that's something that I also still want to do. Like, I tell people I've been working on this visual mixtape forever, but it really ain't been worked on. <laughs> It's going to come out though one day. It's probably the best thing I ever did because it takes so long. Mm. Anyway, so I started doing music videos and I had this new idea in my head. This I was like, I'm the next. I don't know if you guys know Melina Masukos. She's a black woman from New York. She directed a ton of Beyonce's music videos, mm. Rihanna. We Found Love in a Crazy Place or whatever the name of the song. Oh, yeah. She did that music video. Um, she was director on Insecure. But she's an amazing female director. That was the video they was like, she was like with the white boy doing drugs or some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that yeah. was super dope. Dude, dude. look like Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so music videos inspired me all the way back from like Director X and Benny Boom. Yeah. But then I started to get to people like Melina. I was like, oh, that's super cool. I can see myself doing that. So that was like the new mission. I so moved. it was still connected to music. It was still connected but it's to a music. Different role. But yep. So then I moved back to Chicago and I started working at <laughs> Micro Center. My friends like to call it Smart Tech because I felt like I was working at Smart Tech <laughs> from 40 over. Yeah, 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 yeah. It definitely has that lighting. Gee, that's the worst. For those that are, so Micro Center, it's like the way that Best Buy like doesn't have really enough items for a store. 
This has all the things that Best Buy yeah. doesn't have. And it's just like very fluorescent lighting and like very nerdy people in a wonderful way. The guy who sits in his basement building computers yeah. and probably is smart as hell shops at mm-hmm. Micro Center. That they got like round yeah. keyboards and like scrolly Get, dice yeah, and all kinds of stuff. It's real. It's like a tech haven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked there. What were you doing? I was just a salesperson. Okay. I'm, I'm a nerd at the end of the day. So I kind of wanted to be there, but it was just a shitty place because they was paying like $8 an hour plus mm-hmm. commission. And, yeah. and like, at this point, I just was like, so over everything, <laughs> I would come in high every day and just be like, hey, how can I help you? So I wasn't really making no money. <laughs> like, yeah, anywho. So I worked, I was working there for, <laughs> I was working there for a little while. And everybody who came in to buy like hard drives or any type of big form media, I knew that like they did something yeah. that I might want to do. And so I would just be like, oh, what what are you you buying three terabytes? What are you working on? Like, what do you, you know? And I one day I came across this dude who was like, oh, I'll work at a production. He was buying like 50 fucking USB sticks. And I'm like, why are you buying so many USBs? And he's like, oh, I work at a production company and we use these for whatever. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, I do video and music and blah, blah, and like, however I can help, like, just talk yeah. to your off. And he's like, yeah, email me your stuff. So I emailed him. I think he was like, emailed this to our internship or something. So I emailed this huge, like, long, persuasive, like, probably overdoing it cover letter. Like, <laughs> in this essay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to them. Utopia Productions, they're downtown. They're mostly post-production, but they were trying to get into, like, production stuff. But anywho, they're super dope. I so happened to get an email from one of the owners. Like, I read your, their cover letter because it was, like, you know, trying to be savvy. Like, I am not writing this because, you know, it wasn't yeah. traditional at all, at all. And so he brought me in. He, you know, was like, what, do you, what is it that you want to do? Like, your, 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 your letter was interesting. I just wanted to meet you. How can I help you? What is it that, that you want to do? And we talked, like, an hour. Shout out to him. Shout out to him, yeah. for real, for real. I mean, after we spoke and I told him everything that I was into, and he was like, it seems like you're still trying to figure it out, but what I do know for sure is that you need to get on set so that you can see how things work and you can see what a director does, you can see what a DP does, you can see, so you know, so yeah. that you can figure it out. And so he got me as a PA on my first commercial. It was a Walgreens commercial they were doing. Illinois has a tax credit in place for the film industry. If you qualify, I think you have to, your budget has to be at a certain point. So it's mostly like the big stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you hire 20% women or minorities, you get like a tax break. That tax credit alone is employing and bringing a lot of shows Mm -hmm. and content to Chicago. So Mm -hmm. at that time, I worked on this uh, Walgreens commercial. I'm black. They had the tax credit. I met a lady who was, she like produces commercials, basically was like, oh, a black girl. And you're good. Yeah. Let me get your number. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. Mm. Really because of the tax credit. Yeah. I mean, I was good too, but... It provided a formal incentive. Yeah. And here. some people are like, oh, the tax credit. But it's just like, yo, it's a foot in the door. It's a foot in the door. So once I get in the door, people like me can change it so that we don't need a tax credit. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the door got to be open some kind of way. Right. It took a slow start, but I just started PA and a PA and a PA and a PA and and I was working on commercials, like really cool commercials, Super Bowl commercials, big commercials, Best Buy, um, McDonald's, like really big, huge, Nike, Dick Sporting, yeah. like all kind of different commercials. And it was it was going really well. And I did that for about two and a half, almost three years. And I was like, okay, I see y'all making a hell of a lot of money. I could do what you're doing. Yeah. And that's when I figured out, like, I think I want to DP direct for sure. Did you like being on set the first time you were on set? Mm-hmm. 
I did. It was crazy. It was chaos because you so many moving parts. Everybody yeah. know what they're doing, but it looks like nobody knows what they're doing because there's just so much going on. You just like you don't even know. You just be like, uh huh. I'm in the way no matter where I. Yeah, am. and I didn't know if I could eat craft service. Like yeah. I didn't know if that was for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like standing there for the longest, like just looking at it, waiting for somebody to give me the staring contest of the sandwich. <laughs> I was like so hungry too, like because they they are the longest days. It's the longest days. Yeah. When you first go on a film set, there's nobody telling you what to do. Yeah. I mean, if you're an actor or an actress or you're higher at the food chain, but as a PA, you really just get thrown out there. Like, do this, 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 and this. Half of it, you is common sense, and the other half, you like. Uh, I don't know what that word. I don't know what that means, but you just kind of figure it out, or you ask. Like, don't be afraid to ask. You know, I think that's true. Actually, with from hearing actors talk about this, it's like actually kind of the same thing. Like, they don't really give them any information either. Really, the they're kind of just like trying to get through the day. Get I think because everybody's sheet. trying to figure out what. To yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah. something I've. So I grew up acting in a lot of like commercials and mm. stuff and so like I grew up on a lot of sets and like I've done a little bit more since I've been older but they never explain it and my curiosity is like how does everybody yeah. know because like I've probably been on 50 to 100 sets in my life and like I get it right like I kind of know the the pacing and, and but yeah. I still don't know what the fuck nobody's talking about like on a real day to day basis it's like a kid and like, like even people are just nice to you when you're acting True. Right. That's the, that's be the nice. Difference. That's the that's the. Instead of hey, you over there, they're like, excuse me. Yeah. Because we even got a call. Like, if you go to the bathroom, you say, "I'm going ten one." You don't say like. I'm gonna go to, I mean, you can, but it's just it's all different, yeah. different sets. But there's a great I'm trying to remember who it must have been on another podcast. We were talking about Ice Cube on set, the first film he directed. And Friday. It was yes. Yeah, yeah, so it was yeah. Friday, and him like two Friday references. What episode? Right. And coming out on Thursday, <laughs> but he didn't know what anything was called. He'd never directed anything before. He'd like been on set a couple times, yeah. on single thing, like, but like he didn't know. So he'd just be like, "Hey, put that over there," mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "Oh, you mean put like the boom at a 40? And he's just like, "No, no, no. I, okay, I want that over there." I can see. I can so see. Like, hey, hey, come hey, on, hey, come put on. that over there. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. <laughs> but I love that. That's just like, yeah. like either you you learn the industry thing, or you when yeah. you make your own shit, you just come up with your own but ways to describe that, it. That's such that, a specific language, though. That's yeah. a good thing. And I love that though. Like I just worked on a lady's. She's a local director here, Jen- Jennifer Reeder. I worked on her last film, Knives and Skin, that's been circulating in the in the film festivals. And she said that she never worked on anyone else's films but her own, or anyone else's set but her own. But I think that creates like an organic, like, yeah. you're not jaded or you don't know, so you're just doing. And when right. you do it and it works out, you just keep you keep doing it. And for me, PAing, it put a lot of things in perspective and made me realize, okay, I, I think I want to DP direct, but it also made me very scared and I mm. lost that, like, that fearless, just do it. Because you you've know? like seen the quote I, the, right the way. Right way. So yeah. it's like, oh, I have to do it. I have to have this amount of money. And I was working on really big budgeted things. So it was like right. I was seeing my peers, which is a lot of college students, and they were just making all this cool shit and they just were doing it. And I'm like, how the fuck? Like, how are yeah. y'all doing this? Like, you know? And it's really not that deep. And I, it took me a while to come out of that and realize, like, no, you could just do, like, take a little bit of what you learned and as well as. Yeah. You know what you don't know and put it together and just you don't need a rocket science to yeah. make what you want to say. But it takes a lot of trust in yourself. If you don't yeah. have the like quote procedure, then yeah. you have to trust yourself to figure it out, which yeah. can be tough, especially if it's something you've never done before. Yeah. So you're on set, you figure out you want to move into directing and DPing. Yeah. And it was uh, working. I was making money. You know, on which on the PA or stepping into the just DPA? just PA, and then I'd seen how you can make money in this industry in yeah. general. So I seen how like much DPs and directors were like, and I was like, holy shit! Like, yeah. 
this is for real. It's for real, for real. Like, it was, so I was like, uh-uh, no, I can do, I can do this. And that that's really what led me closer to the next step was like, I don't want to make music videos more no more. That's why I want to make commercials. Yeah. In that process, I've picked up many skills and yeah. many things that I can make money. So editing, shooting, directing, even some music stuff. So like all of these things, all, all of these different skills that I've learned working on set, PAing really taught me how to like, I can, I, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself like this big producer or like I, I'm a really skilled producer, but I think I've seen and worked on enough that I, I think I can produce content. Um, I picked up all those different skills and, and started to make money off of them is what mm. like while I was working in production, but I still wasn't happy. I was like, I don't know if I just like, I, I still love music and I still want to make music and, and figure out that situation. And that's why I was like, I have this visual mixtape that, that's been in my head forever. And so now that I'm being more intentional with myself and my goals and what I want, I've separated the two. Mm-hmm. I make a lot of money acing, which is like assistant camera. So there's different roles when yeah. you're on set. And that's, mm-hmm. that's another thing. Like um, there's many mm-hmm. different departments that make up on a film set. Mm-hmm. Right. When I was a PA, I had to realize, okay, what do I want to do? How do I want to do it? You know, they have the art department. You got hair and makeup, electric and grip, yeah. camera department. And then you have like production, which is like producers, coordinators, more people who do a lot of paperwork, talking, Logistics. all that stuff. Logistics. Yeah. The stuff Ooh. someone has to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I want to DP direct. What's the closest thing for me? Really to direct, you just got to direct. There's no the one department you can get in and say, mm. I'm going to work my way into directing from being in this department. You can, but it's really not. It's just like make shit and then have somebody hire you yeah. in your name. You just become a director. It's not that easy, but that. But you know, it's not that easy, but uh, that is the only way to do it. <laughs> but DPing, you can work your way up. Huh. Through the camera department. And yeah. it starts off, there's different roles in the camera department. There's a second assistant camera, first assistant camera. There's a utility person. There's a DIT. There's all these different roles that mm-hmm. work within the camera department. And so when I was a PA, I was like, all right, I want to be in that department because I also want a DP. It's kind of an old school way. Yeah. And then also another way for me to still make money because you can make a lot of money working in those different roles yeah. within the camera department. And so I interned at a camera house and learned all about all of the big cinema cameras and professional cameras. And then I just kind of started working, like, PAing as a camera PA. Right. And then people started hiring me and trusting me into those other roles, like second AC and first AC and utility data manager. So now that's my bread and butter, as well as trying to make money off of directing and DPing. But as, like, a filmmaker and an artist, I want to make sure that when I'm— creating my content and saying something and I'm saying something meaningful but sure. that's kind of how in the long big like ramble I just did no, no, how no. I, it's, it's, it's the question it's, did it make great. sense you actually were answering questions that I was getting prepared to ask okay so okay. all the information was like exactly what I wanted and to know and I think there's a lot of people who Do are interested work, in being part work. of this world yeah. of filmmaking yeah. and don't know the breakdowns because departments it's, it's and so inaccessible right there's and, so um, high barriers I try to, to entry man and I, I see so many of my black men out there who are amazing amazing who just self-taught from the internet i was privileged enough to go to college i was privileged enough to be on set and get real like hands-on training yeah when i was at ipr i was able to we worked in top studios it was a great school i'm still paying for that shit but i was privileged enough to you know get my hands and really get the full experience and there's a lot of black young men and women too a lot of women like just black people in general and those are people that i really want to help when i get that pedestal up of, of making content i can bring people on or just help them make their content or whatever, that have self-taught themselves how to 
direct DP, edit, make music, like do right. all these different things. And they don't know. They did it with a DSLR and a computer. Right. If you learn how to put some batteries and some lenses on a camera. That's a job. <laughs> that's second AC. That's a job. <laughs> right, right. And it's so much money, like so much yeah, money. You know yeah. what I mean? It's And that people don't know about that. People don't yeah. know about that exists. Like there's so many different roles. Yeah. In addition to it being inaccessible and just not widely known, in those structures that you described, there is so much hierarchy, right? And you're talking about working yep. your way up. And, you know, there are very few professional settings, I think, that are as strictly and, like, clearly and explicitly hierarchical as a film set. Mm. How do you balance or, or where have been moments of learning or discomfort with the way that power is enacted on a film set in whatever way that can mean? It can be tough. I mean, film sets in general are just all white men, mostly, especially the camera department. <laughs> Thankfully, I was raised with thick skin as well as I've seen a few things in my life. So I was able to brush a lot of things off and keep keep going. And I think I did so like at such a fast pace that a lot of people was kind of looking at me. Like, this was like what was being told for me by my friends. Like, oh, how did Ashley get into the camera department so fast? Because I also got into the union which mm. is the Cinematographers Guild. Yeah. I was the only black woman. There was another one when she moved to LA that was in the union in wow. Chicago. Wow. And that's that a huge able, industry. But it's not, it's like 3% black, I think. Like yeah. there's not in actual like DPs that are in the union, like black DPs, there's not a lot. Um, and for those who don't know, like this is one of the most unionized industries. So if you're mm-hmm. not part of the union, there's like massive swaths of, of work that you Yeah, so I could, on. like if you're not in a union, you you can, but you're really not supposed to work on any of the shows. So like Empire, Chicago Man, Chicago Fire, all of right. the shows are filming. Most big commercials, most most of the things where you probably getting treated the fairest and paid the fairest, right. you can't work on it, you know. Right. And I again, I was really blessed and privileged to. I mean, I mean, I think I just didn't give a fuck about, you know, like I had white people who was like come up to me on set and say, well, what what is it that you want to do? And I'm like, DP direct. And they're like, well, what is that you really want to do? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like basically saying that I had to fall in line in a role on set, that I just wasn't going to be a DP director. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm going to fall in line to make this money, but it ain't going to make me. Right. And if I'm a DP motherfucking direct. And and I started doing that too outside of just working on set. I started making my own things. And I think that built a respect and a trust which gave me more opportunities mm, and people right. just were so shook. Like, how did you, what? Did, and I'm like, I just did it. I right. didn't give a fuck about what you supposed to do or how you supposed to do it. No, fuck that. Yeah. And we ain't in the seventies no more where they're putting filming cameras. Like everything's digital. <laughs> right. Like I can learn everything and get my hands on the same gear that they shooting with on these big Hollywood movies without having to be on a Hollywood fucking movie, you know, yeah. like, I mean, it's still expensive. It's not that easy. So I don't want to make it seem like it is. But, but it's not film. It's not, it's not the way that it used to be. Yeah. yeah. And it can be really difficult, that hierarchy. It can be really... And that, that's what makes people like Jennifer Rita so special. And probably Ice Cube. He's probably really cool to work with on set because, like she said, I've never been on anyone else's set. So it's like you don't know. And on set, she was very friendly. Like she would come to just talk to anyone, yeah. like make conversation. She didn't put herself... It's like, I'm the director. And I'm going to come in and just talk to the DP and kind of sit in my chair and not really socialize with the crew. Some people act like that because that's kind of just what they've been. What they're taught. What they're taught, you know, and it's actually in working on those shows, I did not have fun. They were soul sucking. And I'm happy that I crossed over and started believing in myself again and going back into the indie world and doing more indie stuff because I would have just been working on a show, working my way up. 
waiting my turn to get the opportunity, waiting for somebody to die to get this. You know, like yeah. it takes out the fun of like why I, I you just heard my story. I didn't start off to make like a things. Fan. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I just want to make things. It's like, hard to have fun with people you're waiting to die. <laughs> but that's how it is on those shows. Like you literally yeah. work your like if you work in television and film it's actively like on those shows, you work your way up from second to first. Hopefully they give you an opportunity to operate or UDP. Or you just say, fuck everybody and go do some cool shit outside of that world. Right. And then maybe somebody in that world will see you and be like, yo, come do this. Yeah. Right. And, and by that you point, know? you're you know, a little more undeniable because you've already made a thing. Nobody, nobody hates a risk as much as show business. <laughs> yeah. Like they like a sure thing. And the, the more you can be closer to a sure thing the better. Yep. And so if you have something to show, it sounds like that that helps too. Yeah, yeah so I, I want to take some time to do something very important. Usually it does not take an hour in, but it's time to gas you up. There, there's some gas I want to throw you away. And I think you deserve it. I think the, the way that you just it articulate that story sense, yeah. is exactly like what I perceive or, or, or what I... I would say I've, I've seen you probably maybe like four to five different sets, mm-hmm. right? And, and then just in the world. And there's definitely like a a respect that you command, right, without having to demand it. There's a way that you operate, especially when you're working, that, like, it's more than admire. It's, like, obvious that there there is a, um, a density and, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a confidence, but also, like, a, I have worked. But I also want to do something that you were starting to do of, like, breaking out what some of these roles are. Because I think watching you work seeing the DP position, like, was was different for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, there there is a, um, an artistry that I've seen you bring to that space that I think gets associated to a director. Even the way you talk about production versus DP versus direction, like, what are some of those distinctions and the fact that you're able to play both of those hands? And then also, what is the the artistry that you, you see bringing that probably most people who are never behind a camera would overlook? That was a lot. It yeah. was a lot. It was a lot. The, the, so, the gas up section. The, the <laughs> Feel free to refine for me. Let's go with the second part first. Of the roles that you talked about, you can move through so many of them. Where does it feel like artistic expression for you? Yeah, yeah, it works. Um, I look to you. For, I apologize. I'm all over the place. No, I love no, it. no. I understood what you said. I was just was trying to figure out like where can you go with? with that? Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. so much. Uh, <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate. I appreciate you noticing that. My girl always tells me I act like a white man on set because <laughs> I get really serious. But that's just, I, and, and I'm really not that. <laughs> but it's not, in, but it's not intimidating, or it's yeah. not, it's not dominating. Well, good to know because yeah. she, she like, yeah. You, I'm like, well, I don't want to be that person on set. But every role on set is very important. Like good direction, you can almost close your eyes and still listen to the dialogue and the body movements and feel something. Mm-hmm. And good DPing is where you can like put the TV on mute and still feel something and they complement each other and that's beautiful yeah I haven't figured out exactly which one I really want to like I, I admire people like Childish Gambino because yeah. he does everything yeah, yeah. He do, I feel like he does everything that he something's wants to do something's up there's a conspiracy but he play. also has two people who have been his closest collaborators through all this so Hiro Morai, yeah. the director who mm-hmm. directs damn near every, every episode of Atlanta yeah. All his music videos, yeah. everything yeah. is a fucking genius. Yeah. And Ludwin Gorenson, who's his music director, like they and his are, brother. A, and his brother who writes everything with this collaboration like, is like, important. Yeah. But yeah. it's not just like general. It's like here is a tight knit crew that, like, when you say Childish Gambino, like Donald Glover is a person, but Childish Gambino is like what we think of as being his creation is mm. a conjunction of them working together. I'm not so sure Donald Glover is a person. <laughs> what do you he, mean? He just he got too raw. 
Oh yeah, we were talking about too this. quick, right? Like, cause he's been around for like ten years, like in comedy work, and like you yeah. know, he's he's put his dues in. I'm not, I'm being silly. I'm not disrespecting. No, 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 no. But like out of nowhere, you don't just become a great singer and dancer when you couldn't yeah. sing and dance five years ago. I think he could. I think he was that always nigga could not dance five years ago. <laughs> I think he was that kid in his room who did, who could, and I see yeah. myself like this person who could actually do a lot, but was too afraid to do it, and then now he finally has the power and the position to do what he did, and having an incredible team. Right. Beyonce. She not Beyonce without all true, of the true. people. Right, but could she dance initially, though? Actually, that's a good point. Beyonce was not as raw back in the you day. Listen you listen to some Destiny Child stuff, there was a little bit of struggle. Yeah. That was not the same. That was not Beyonce. That yeah. was not Queen B. That, yeah. that, was, that was... That was... Duchess B. Childish <laughs> has become one of the best vocalists in the world. Well, auto tune <laughs> and we got we got technology for even, that. I don't know if I believe live, though. even in that Rihanna movie. Yeah, like oh, live, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and some of his shows. But like, you don't think he, he was not could this always raw. sing? No. Like on them old mixtapes, he used to like do melodies on his hooks. Oh, and it's like like this is not yeah. <laughs> right. Like this is not somebody who can't yeah. can't. It was can't marginally sing. better than that. But oh, like huh. he got raw. <laughs> He, this nigga sound right. like Maxwell now all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> you don't just happen into Maxwell. You don't just become it. Maxwell. Maxwell is obviously from another place. Come here. Like Child is just he transcended yeah. into another realm. But like child like But 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 you But with yes. DP directing. <laughs> but he does a lot. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> I don't want to be afraid to not do both because you're trying to be the Maxwell of DP. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because people tell you that you can't. Right. People tell you that right, you're not right, supposed right, to. Right. right. And so I just do both because I like it. Yeah. And they both have different forms of speaking to each other and working with each other. Like I always tell people when I'm shooting music videos, if somebody comes to me and say they want to work with me on a music video, I listen to the song and I decide on what I want to do based off of how I see it. So if I'm listening to the song and I see more movement and like hmm. can't like if I'm I'm thinking about camera movement, I'm like, okay, I want to DP this. Hmm. If I think about more of storyline and concept, then I'm like, okay, I want to direct this. It's like almost like synesthesia where you like you hear a thing and you see a color. Yeah. It's like you you have these visual representations or yeah. movement representations of it based off the sound. That's really cool. That's super dope. Do you think that some of that comes from you stepping into creative work from an audio standpoint that like oh, yeah. it fits together better? Oh yeah. That's interesting. Coming through audio first was super cool and eye opening because it audio is a huge part of video production and yeah. that was one thing I didn't have to learn. Yeah. I already knew it. Like the like you said, the creative it ties a lot together. So yeah, I want to so, go back to something that you said. Ah, you beat me. Go for it. No, go ahead. <laughs> go back. I wonder if we. I don't think we're gonna go to the same place. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So I wanted to just go back to that when you were gassing our mm-hmm. wonderful guest up, but that vibe on set that you you know you said your girlfriend like somewhat jokingly projects like it's like <laughs> acting like a white man. So that learning that balance of like how do you maintain a like air of authority on set in a way that also then isn't replicating power in a way that yeah. you've seen as harmful. That seems like a really big challenge. And having worked with you is something that I think you did really, really, really well because I felt confident that you were in control, but I also didn't feel dominated. shrunken or dominated. Yeah. So one that was just like, as someone who hasn't been on camera a lot, to have you on the other end of that was very reassuring to me. Thank you. But yeah, how has that process of learning that balance been? And even if you haven't figured it out yet, like how are you thinking about yeah. that? Thank you, by the way. I'm I'm an intense person by nature. Like, I can be really intense if you really know me. Um, so I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> As you answer that question, what's like one example of your intensity? Like a time where you're like, like I don't like no bullshit. Like I'm the I'm that ah, friend that I'm like bullshit heavy. <laughs> I'm that friend that like on this if, if I pick you up, 
you know you got those friends you might be this person they probably can't kick together <laughs> we got they you pick them up and you're like yeah we're gonna go to this this party but then you never go to that party and you just like riding around the city oh no no oh no and you like come on oh like, no i have no patience for that bullshit <laughs> okay either. okay yeah, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. no no so, not that bullshit at all <laughs> i'm just a very direct person and like i can be intense i'm i'm super chill and laid back so people never really understand when i say that but people who <laughs> really really know me kind of also understand like my intensity but it's, it's it means well it's not like in a very rude way how i navigate that on sets for one i've as a PA and working in big commercials, I've seen some assholes right. throw some like real tantrums. I, I saw a dude throw a sandwich across the room. That's, <laughs> that's just a loss of a sandwich more than anything. And there's no HR in film yeah. sets. So you right. hear and see Craft some things. just over here like, yo. Right? <laughs> like you hear and see some things that you just be like, what? Also, why is there no HR? I don't know. This is like an enormous... There's no, I mean, at least I don't know. I mean, there might be as far as like in the union, there's the unions that protect people. So you can call the union and be like, this was happening on set. And the unions are never doing anything But at the end of the day, like actually on set, there's nobody protect. I mean, there's the producer and there's the assistant director and the assistant director is supposed to be that person to like make sure that everybody's well-being is like being kept and everybody's safe. And, but you will still hear somebody say some crazy shit. Or any particular you want to share. It's fine if no. (laughs) Particularly within the crew, right? Like a director to a, to a producer to like a grip or something. I remember when I was a PA and this this AD like went over the the fucking speakerphone and was like, "All you stupid ass PAs or some shit like that." Like just all. I mean, I've heard that. I've heard sexual like gestures. Yeah. Nah, I've yeah, heard, you know, I it, it's just all types of different things. And right. like again, I'm someone who with thick skin who experienced and seen a lot, so I kind of know how to like let it roll off and know like. You're ignorant. You're an asshole. Right. Or kill him with kindness. That's that's more my personality. But you hear some things that can really like intimidate you or make you feel some kind of way. And I don't know why there isn't an HR. I've never been necessarily yelled at because yeah. I don't think I have the face that allows somebody to yell at me. <laughs> you don't. It's like so, you know, you know, I'll fuck you up. Like, right, you like, know I'll just shut you up, bro. Real but quick. I've seen some people who've been yelled at, and I'm like, damn, that's that's not cool. Yeah, you damn. know, like that means they had. Yell addable faces. <laughs> now we're just face like, blaming. I've I've even worked with like working with Spike was even like he's he's kind of a yeller too. I worked with Spike once. Too. Yeah, was kinda, kinda I feel awesome. so excluded. Yeah, yeah. You he's did not work with Spike, white boy. Oh no, because he because he don't want no white boy on his set. Yeah. If you on his set, it's because and I fuck with this. Somebody of color was not available. Whether that was. Who, no matter like yeah. and that doesn't mean just you black person fifth person I mean it's like list. you were yeah. the last 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 <laughs> person and I fuck with him for it he hired the whole damn Chicago for motherfucking um, what movie was that um, Chirac uh, except for the I actors mean, yeah it didn't really go over well <laughs> to say the least <laughs> we, we've done but that. he employed people for the summer for that summer all and right. it was a good look alright but so you worked on that movie I did what okay. did you do on the movie I was a camera assistant actually yeah. how did you feel on set it was like, this is going to be a good movie. So, you know, I worked on the pickup shots. I didn't work on like the actual mm-hmm. movie. Okay. I worked on just like the stuff they needed to feel. And it was a really small crew. It was just the second unit DP, Spike, me. Like it was just like a five in a van riding around getting like random B-roll shots. <laughs> so I got to like work with him really closely. That's cool. He's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> 
I, and I, I think what he's been through in the industry. I think I got you wrong. I think how he's like, yeah. the things I've had to deal with was probably like a small mm-hmm. crumb of what Spike had to deal with. He was with. literally the only, the only, only black person. Yeah. He certainly Alive has like movie. a chip on his shoulder. He that, definitely has a chip on his that shoulder. That feels like 70% reasonable. Yeah. He, so, throws, he throws a little dip on that chip. But. Do I think, <laughs> do I agree 100% of the things that he make and how he moves? No, I don't. But I hold Spike at like a really high yeah. respect level. Yeah. And he's like an old black grandma on set. And in his outfits. <laughs> yeah, he like increasingly he, and posture. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, no, like this is real. Like he, yeah, everything. Is, <laughs> I hope he never hears this. Yeah. Shout out to Spike. No, Shout no, out to Spike. No, I love Spike. Him. Just we're being diplomatic here. We're, I'm, we're giving you this pass because Spike has caught it. But honestly, no, Spike is not somebody who I've looked at and said, "Ooh, I don't want to be like that guy." Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of other like there's mostly white men, but it was a lot of people who. I've worked with it's just like no that's not cool I don't want to make anyone feel like that I don't want to make anyone feel like they're not worthy they're not supposed to be here they're stupid they're incompetent because that's not cool and honestly all this shit we making media film I always tell people I work for the devil like it's a wasteful industry (laughs) we're leaving a huge carbon footprint and motherfuckers getting overpaid (laughs) so it's like at the end of the day it's really no need for anyone to be upset (laughs) <laughs> that's that's hilarious. such a perspective like oh. there's no need for any like it's not like we're changing the world here yeah, like yeah. someone just fucked up like I've been working on this formula for 20 years and you yeah, just fuck- launching rockets. like no it's like okay now we gotta reshoot or now you know like it's not not that big of a deal we didn't make this day we didn't make the day exactly yeah. we didn't make the day you it's know like, guess what there's another day tomorrow there's no, you know and it's not it's just like I've worked with some awesome really cool people who have that like do you take Zans <laughs> Because they're just so chill. But those people I've respect and I've learned a lot from. (laughs) Right? I mean, I asked her. She said she didn't. I won't say her name. But she said, you know, but it was a a, a woman that I worked with who actually really helped me out in my career. Like, Hmm. she's a producer here in town. And she knew that I wanted to be a director DP. And she just was like, oh, I'm going to make you the driver. So I was the driver for a lot of these directors and DPs when I was PA. And so they would give me a nice SUV and I'll pick these people up and drop them off. Cause she wanted me to get in their face and ask them questions and, Mm -hmm. you know, hang out with them on set. So, but she was always so calm and she came from LA producing big time commercials in in LA. And I think what it was is because it's 10 times bigger coming to Chicago. was like, I just ain't shit, you know, like y'all tripping, but imagine, but she always had this cool, calm, collected, Everything's gonna be cool. Yeah, it don't. You know, oh, oh, it happened. Oh well, what are we gonna do? Yeah, mm-hmm. when you reassure yourself of that, it always comes out like oh, I was right, and yeah. I didn't have to worry. And that's the kind of personality that I like really want to have on set. And I also just learned to like pass the ball. What do you mean by that? Just like in basketball, like don't be a don't be a ball hog. Yeah, you know, and just like with production, like make sure that you are checking in that everybody in their department feels okay with what they're doing. They feel secure and confident in what they just did because ultimately I don't want you gaffing for my project, lighting my project, if you're not sure what you're doing. Even if you're not sure, let's talk about it. Let's work it out. You know, I'm not going to get mad at you. Like, why would you do that? Why would you... pressure off. You know, and it's just like, okay, why did you do that like that? Like, let's, you know, maybe your reasoning makes sense. Or... Mm. You'll find out simple that that person really just didn't give a fuck, but you positioning them with a question of giving them that power to respond in the right way. Like they like, oh, you know what? Let me ch- let me change that. Let me actually care because yeah. you care versus right. like, why the fuck? You know, saying it's like. That's the tone. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad your, your, your question went first because that answer is really like speaking to something that that resonates deeply for me. When I'm on a set, it is an amazing 
organizational feat, right? Because there's so many moving pieces and there's so much pre-planned work, but then during the day, there's so many decisions that have to be be being made, yeah. right? So it, it is really is an interesting like like analysis of power and collectivity that I've even like tried to translate into like organizing work. And so you, you talked a lot about like the mainstream space, you know, how it's an opportunity, but it's fucked up. And where I've seen you has been in the the indie, more alternative space mm-hmm. that I think from this conversation I learned is kind of like a, a spinoff or was created because there was this like institutional tax credit yeah, for sure. that like built up the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And now there's this like almost shadow industry of like black, queer, mm-hmm. more feminine spaces. And I see you as like a, a, a pillar mm-hmm. of kind of that work and that route. And so how does the, the power dynamics shift or are they different in these spaces that are in, independent when you're working with open tv or doing a, a drive slow or you know doing that the, the prep for love video that, that we did uh, yeah the uh with dr everyone yeah, with uh-huh, uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah D- I, does it just perpetuate the same systems where people really adapted and tried to make something different no i mean what open tv and like a lot of independent filmmakers in this city are doing is incredible i want to go to la but it's making it hard to leave because we do have such a strong I feel safe on in those spaces. Even if there's divas and even if there's things going on, it just like doesn't feel detrimental to your like being. It just <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah. like I said, it's not soul sucking. Like if I go work on Empire and I'm just like, oh, like it was cool that I saw Taraji today, but ugh. versus like so and so pissed me off on set today, but I'm happy to go back to work tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm invested in working. And I'm in, yeah, and. Thank you that uh, you think I'm a pillar. I mean, really, I think it's just because I was just doing it. And like I said, I didn't really care about being stuck in one one world. And I just started doing things. People was like, oh, this black queer girl, like, let's let's work with her. And I'm so open. Like, yeah, let's work together. Let's do something. And um, you're damn good at what you do. Is I the appreciate that. Thank you. That kind of just happened. But yes, I do want to be an advocate to for more spaces like that. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to talk about equity. That's like giving equity. Like, the fact that I was able to direct on the prep the fact that i'm able to shoot the fact that i'm able to operate or like i said when you work in the big hollywood stuff sometimes it takes you gotta prove yourself or work extremely hard to be given that opportunity even if you are talented enough to do that it's still it's not like you're not just you don't get the benefit of the doubt and we should be giving each other these opportunities because we should be working with each other and, and putting each other on and providing access to each other that serves more of a, of a bigger purpose than yeah. trying to go work for somebody who don't really care about you, yeah. you know. And um, I think it comes through in the work, too. Yeah. I love working independently <laughs> and not under the thumb of, like, old people in suits at the very top mm-hmm. yeah. dictating what they think is art. <laughs> it just made me think of there's a great line from 30 Rock where the Alec Baldwin character is watching TV and it's like, and it makes us question what is art? And he's watching and he gets angry and he goes, we know what art is. It's a picture of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> and he points to the wall and there's a painting of a horse on the wall. <laughs> so you want not that guy deciding what it is. And black queer people have their unique voices. And now technology has made it 
accessible for us to tell our stories. We are on distribution companies. Yeah. Shit, you can really sell some. I've seen some shitty movies on Netflix, Amazon. <laughs> so I feel like you can, <laughs> if we put our money together, yeah. we really can, you yeah. know, make a movie and potentially get it on Netflix, and Amazon. And that that's changing for the better. And now that we have that access, we need to keep that access and make sure that we are the ones telling our stories and helping each other and building that foundation so that when it does become something huge that it's not a tax credit is needed to fucking make right. equality happen. Like, mm-hmm. it just is. It's just, right. it's just equal across the board. Yeah, so before we get out of here, I want to circle back to the very beginning. Uh, I have one last circle back too. So let's You circle let's back this time. You beat me on the segways today. Oh. Quick on the draw. So... <laughs> I did want to wind down with, you You talked a lot about your vision. You said two things multiple times. One, that you've seen a lot and you have thick skin. And I hope that you like are able to feel as well. But then two, that I'm you want to make- i on my empathy. Yep, yep, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yep, uh-huh. yep. We'll let that breathe for a second. <laughs> and two, you keep talking about this visual mixtape idea. Mm. And so I just, I know it's still an idea stage. Was that where you're going? Ah, high five, partner. What does that mean to you? What What do you see for that? Is something that you say is like- in development in the idea stage but you have projected it out at least two to three times and I want to kind of like document it archive a little bit what that means for you now so really just working with other musicians and creating like I don't know six to eight tracks of music and then creating a visual narrative that like Kanye West is what was it called Runaway or uh, Runaway yeah yeah. Yeah. and it had like all his songs mixed together with like one long Yeah, yeah But I so, love the idea of that being then different artists on the song. So yeah, the through yeah. line is both the visual and the production mm. of it. That's really because cool. I, I don't I, I love music production, but I wouldn't want to make it all like computer music. Mm-hmm. I want to work with guitarists and keyboardists and yeah. singers and different people to bring all of the pieces together. I wouldn't want it to just be like all computer music. Hmm. Um, and when I say computer music, I mean like just made in Logic or yeah. you know I would want it to have like some real instrumentation some real instrumentation to it and some real soul and get yeah. a probably a bass player or something you know some 67 Chevelle 67 <laughs> Chevelle yeah I mean I'm a huge and I I sample a lot I still do the old school like soul samples have you done visual sampling and stuff no I haven't so you mean like mm. like clips no that's interesting I've I've watched mm. I've been to a couple of parties where I've seen DJs do it mm-hmm. and I was like this is tight and I also see myself after this visual mixtape releases going on to like a big huge like electronic music festival and being on stage with my music in the background being chopped up and shit or like my visuals in the background yeah. and i'm like fucking got my music mapped out on some pads and i'm like that's so cool you know that's like a, a dream i, I see it <laughs> have you watched uh, the visual like the movies that Flylo has made yeah some of them i haven't seen all but i saw He's a definitely couple. like a on the uh like the yeah, vision, board. vision board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do think the so something actually that Jamila talks about a lot is how do you map Shout out to Jamila. Sampling. Legacy. Yeah, that album is crazy, by the way. Legacy, Legacy, listen to it now. Uh, Great month. Jamila and Pivot Gang. I know, it's, it's been a good month. happening. But she talks about like how do you take the idea of sampling from beats and put that into your writing, both like as a songwriter and as a poet. She like maps that same skill onto her poetry writing. And then stepping into the industry, that made things very complicated and she had to go back and redo Heaven without all the samples and put that back out. Mm. So obviously then that gets tricky, but I do think as a like creative model, it's a very interesting thing to think because now we have access to these archives in a visual place and the ability to cut and, and move them around in really different ways that imagine if you could do like visual soul samples, you know, from all those movies. Tight. 
I'm not the person to do it because I'm I don't know what that you looks like. You want something? Cut this out because we're gonna talk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we'll talk after. We'll talk at trademark. I'll just put a little <laughs> trademark sound effect right here. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. And it's, I love that it's still in the like half abstract, half real stage in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll happen. I'm gonna say it's gonna happen. We're putting it right here. Yeah. So. There you go. Yeah. 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 We, we just projected. Hopefully, y'all bring me back, and I'll be talking about a new project. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to that to that point, that's kind of like the the container but I wanted this is my second circle back in addition to the form of it being something you're exploring you also talked about like going and trying to learn this context right and and how to connect your personal experience to the history and to the experiences of the people around you so that it rings true for more people Mm -hmm. where do you hope that that reaches in your understanding both for the piece and just for yourself I mean I want to be able to create content using those elements that I spoke on and like I said, make make relatable things to people that feel, that make them feel, whether they're making them feel good or bad, mm. but just making them feel. When I sample, like just for instance, when I have a song that I'm going to sample and I want to make it a part of the music mixtape, but it's a Black Gold of the Sun. <laughs> Y'all know that song? Mm-hmm. Black Gold of the Sun. It's by, uh, I don't think it's the full band of Earth, Wind & Fire, but it's... Um, Rotary Connection? Rotary Connection, yes. Um, But I... I think about black people when I... Because, I mean, that song is about being, like, a black person and being, like, a higher being and not basically what society has made black people. Um, Did that answer your question? Yeah. No, I I love the abstraction. The abstraction of it, too. Like, it doesn't have to be... Yeah. clear yet but it's a it's a connection there it's some empathy you're trying to build to other people yes and I'm working on my own empathy so there you go there it's right. it is there you go full circle man look <laughs> I think then that's I, I love we, this we vision session we just got it's time to get out of here yeah yeah let's check out yeah real quick what are any ideas or feelings or just, how are you feeling now or what's something from this conversation that's going to stick with you um, or that felt unresolved like a thread that we like Left up So those are a couple options for checkout. I could have talked forever. This was fun. Yeah. I feel great, honestly. This was fun. It was it was nice to talk. Cause I'm usually just in my head talking to myself. Mm-hmm. It's nice um, to be able to actually talk. So it's talk, nice talk. to yeah. project. Yeah. And we projected and manifested some things today. So yeah. My goal now is to come back here with something finished that we could talk about. Beautiful. So let's make it happen. Yeah. What about you? Me, I definitely resonated with that. Like, not even for work, but also connected to your work. That personal search of like what happened to us, mm. right? And then starting to like fill in some of those answers is really important to me. I, I really liked, we only touched that briefly, but the, the moment where you where you like questioned yourself around the language of crackhead, yeah. because it is such a trauma to our families and to our community and like the way we've been taught to dehumanize and like the real shit that like goes, <laughs> goes yeah. on um, and just us wrestling with like checking that language while also not beating ourselves up for it was important to me. And then lastly, just like hearing you deep dive on the like just the politics and the nature of of power and relationships on the set because I think it is so like standardized now but watching people remix it to like the Mm. idea of sample I think can be used in other spaces because we know that that method produces yeah I really just really appreciated like learning the department structures (laughs) if you're not on set you don't know so it's really helpful to hear you break that down and the like you can work your way up or you can come another way and figure yep, out a different exactly. approach. But this is this is the container that we're working with. So I, that was useful for me, and I think it would be useful for other people who want to learn about that. Yeah. That tax credit was also, that, that was important yeah. too. Yeah. If you black and want to get in this industry, 
Now's the time. Now is for Chicago for sure. Atlanta has it too. That's why they're booming right now. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, that that tax credit is important, and we need to get in, do well once we in, and then change that shit. So we don't need no tax credit no more. Yeah. Thank you for coming through and chopping it up. Thank you so it was much. a joy seeing like us move to just a comfort in the conversation too. Mm-hmm. That was the other checkout. Yeah. So thanks, thanks for being willing to show up and yeah. and. Pull the strands and Thank listen to us. Let's know you better. Sure. How can uh how can folks find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? Um, my website is ashleycbattle.com. A good website. Thank you. It's actually I have Strong. a <laughs> man. You know I have a ton of new work that's coming out, like a ton, like a lot of it, and it's gonna be. I'm not that great of a social media person because I have anxiety about social social media. I like to think I'm too real for social media sometimes. Mm, um, that's even a great I, way to flip it. Yeah. I'm, I'm always I'm not gonna say too real because some people are super cool and I'm real. not bad at social media I'm good at life always on social media <laughs> anywho but you can find me <laughs> on my website ashleycbattle.com and there's a lot of new work that will be coming very soon so I'm excited to drop that as well as my Instagram is ashley underscore battle I'm not on Facebook because Facebook scares me like for real for real yeah I go in there, to te- you know, to look at all my happy birthdays and like, oh, wow. <laughs> and then I think my Twitter is Ashley C. Battle. I try to keep everything the same, but there's a basketball player out there named Ashley Battle. So I get fucked over a lot because yeah. she kind of owns a lot of domains. Uh, but you can really find me oh, at Ashley C. Battle or Ashley underscore Battle. Is she good at least? She-, I, she don't even play no more. Uh, and she has AshleyBattle.com, which oh. I wanted. And she's not even using it. And I'm like, Mitch, come uh, on. And I think they told me like 10000 to get. I said, who do you think you are? <laughs> She thinks she's Ashley Battle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she stopped playing in 2009. Come yeah. on. Come on, Ashley. Ashley. Give it up. Right. Like, Let that go. Give it up. Let me get the Instagram. Let me get the... All right. Anybody listening to this, go hit up Ashley Battle. Tell her we come get up out off here. that. I'm at Ergo Case. <laughs> I'm at Dama underscore AF. We're at Ergo Radio, and we'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative. And world. Shout ah, out to the people. the world. Much love to the people. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Damon, you recognize those drums? I think I do. You know what song they're from? Is this a Bell Biv DeVoe moment? It's a Bell Biv DeVoe moment. That is from the song Poison. <laughs> I really thought that song was America's favorite poison. No, no, no. Turns out it's beer. <laughs> Speaking of beer, this episode is brought to you by Lagunitas Brewing Company, Chicago Tap Room and Beer Sanctuary. Come for fresh beer, live music, and killer food Wednesdays through Sundays. Killer food. <laughs> 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Bring your group and hop on a brewery tour seven days a week or swing by the Lagunitas Tap Room in Pilsen. Does sanctuary like imply meditation and offerings to the Lord? <laughs> Not my lord. <laughs> you can also find some Lagunitas near you at lagunitas.com. Life is uncertain. Don't sip.